Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reed podcast. Today's guest is hailing all the way from Austin, Texas. I got the town right. <laughs> right there. Yeah. I knew I was going to get that wrong. But Austin, Texas, all the Austin. way stateside. His, he goes by the name DMT or DMT Realist on um, all of his social media platforms. And he is, most importantly, a solo musician. He describes himself as a punk rap vocalist. We're going to get into this even more so. But basically a rapper and uh, music creator all the way from the United States. So uh, hello and welcome to the show. How you doing? Howdy, howdy. I am doing fantastic. It's a, it's a beautiful morning in Austin, Texas. Right, yeah. Um, th thanks, by the way, for, for agreeing to do this at, at such an early time. I'll, I'll explain. Whenever I do um, some of these podcasts with certain um, people from America in certain states, obviously you have to factor in the time zone difference. And uh, I always try and do it at a reasonable time. But of course, if it's too late for me as well, I'll be drained. So it's kind of that trying to find that healthy balance between the two. <laughs> Luckily with me though, like honestly, it could have been at any time and I would have been down. Like, I, I, I know, I know. I would have made it work. I would have made it work for you. I believe you. And based, based on what I've seen in, in my research and just like looking at you and your friends and everything, I, I do genuinely believe that. But at the same time, like I do feel that like everyone has those points where they're most kind of like at their peak best. Do you know what I mean? Uh, of course. So, and I appreciate you giving me that, that good time frame. It's the same for me. I, I've, I've done podcasts like quite late at night before, and I the only way I can get through that is by just having a ton of coffee, which <laughs> just I mean it's fine, but it means there's just a massive problem afterwards. Where I just have like this, I can't sleep, and I'm like totally screwed from that point onwards. <laughs> Dude, I can't drink coffee. I get too jittery. I have ADHD, so I'm just always naturally going, you know. So what, what do you, okay, so like right now, yeah, you're waking up right now. So what do you have to kind of just like start the morning aside from what we can see you're having right now? <laughs> like what wakes you up? Uh, well, nowadays, uh, my uh, girlfriend thing, my person. She, Your girlfriend wakes you up. Because <laughs> she, she goes to work and, okay. uh, you know, she tells me, if I need to clean the house or not, or something, or like what we're doing later, or she asked me what I'm doing. Ah, uh, I see. Coincidentally, I'm going to the airport today to pick up one of my group members, uh, mother-in-laws from the airport, and okay. bring her. So that's my only mission for today. But like, but in terms of like actually just, you know, waking up and and just because like okay, everyone okay. needs something. Like for me, it's I have to have the coffee, otherwise, for some reason. Yeah. And I'm probably addicted to it. I don't know. But like, I just can't get the brain, you know, working. Okay. Oh, right. Wow. All oh, right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I need it, a... are, you, are you in Texas right now or are you staying elsewhere? No, I'm in Texas. Um, right now it is technically legal in Austin. Okay. Wait. Explain. <laughs> so, our, our police chief, made a, a public statement saying he wasn't going to make any arrests or give any tickets for under four ounces. So, and he hasn't so far. Like, they've been doing really good. See, this is what confuses me about the States, because I know that, and I actually, weirdly, I, I did some, people don't know this, but sometimes when I freelance and do marketing work, 
I'll end up doing articles for a bunch of different things. And at one point I actually did articles about, um, yeah, cannabis legalization. Uh, I think it was because I was doing articles on like CBD and stuff. So yeah. there was some crossover there and it meant that I had to look at like where it's legal in the States. So mm -hmm. I sort of looked at this map and it was very confusing because it kind of implies that the majority of States it's either it's not many are like fully legal uh, there's probably of like course. maybe yeah something like seven to ten that are like purely legal and then yeah. loads of these ones that are like conditional so it's like oh it's legal if you have a medical condition or it's legal yeah, yeah, yeah. as you say like in certain amounts and quantities yeah. or it's just very confusing and it's tricky as well because like if you have a situation where like i don't know you're just temporarily going to another state and you just happen to have some weed on you like that could be the difference between like you don't just happen to have weed on you. Well, I don't know. Maybe you just have like a tiny bit or something. Do you know what I mean? Like that not would a criminal. That would amount. suck to like not know that you have it and then go into a really strict state. But luckily, like honestly, like we, I've been a lot of places. Luckily, the places I have been have at least been medically, you know, legalized. So you know, like nobody really cares. Fair play. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's like you said. Like though, it's crazy it? and tech. Right. I, I, I suppose it, it is largely dependent on the state you're in, and, and like you said, like knowing the laws. No, of every state. it's it's largely dependent on the city. Like. Oh, like, okay. Like, because it goes it goes three different chains. Like you got federal government, state government, municipal government, and we're all able to make our own little laws that that's so confusing like <laughs> yeah it's hard man it's it, i hate it honestly i hate so, the system so you must have to like really know your your laws then like oh yeah every every everywhere we go we're look, we're getting on reddit we're like looking up the weed laws like seeing what we can get away with like jesus yeah. no matter <sighs> what it's got, it just sounds like a real pain in the ass but like again <laughs> i still think there's there's like these potentials of, of just like accidents happening that are like very small time things that you just couldn't foresee Do you know like for example what i meant before was like let's say you have like just like a joint or something or like some residue or something like very and do you know what i mean like and the police decide okay like they're just going to do like a routine search or they just don't like don't like the look of you and they search you and then they bust you on that and it's like i mean because i can understand to some extent like the intent to 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 uh to sell but even in the uk it's very unclear because we have this thing where it's uh class a or class b or class c and weed just general cannabis sort of moves freely between those every couple of years um so in terms of whether or not you get arrested for it is largely dependent on the government and the laws at that particular time but like it it really depends on who's arresting you as well do you know what i mean like some some people might be like this is nothing whatever and other people would be like no you, you're trying to sell with the tiniest smallest amount <laughs> i've gotten extremely lucky with uh, my cop encounters in marijuana like here in texas because back then the the conversation wasn't as big so like weed wasn't legal here cbd wasn't like hemp wasn't even legal here and like just in 2019 it became legal wow okay that's yeah. very recent then yeah, so like I sell CBD, like I'm a I'm a I'm a shaman, and uh, basically, 
Like we, as of August second, we can't even sell bud now. Like mm-hmm. and we can't sell it as a smokable, but we can sell it as tea or or a uh, or a cooking material. It, it, it just confuses me. It's like either make it legal or don't make it legal. What what the hell is this? Oh, we can have it as like this form, but we can't have it in this form. It's like it's what? crazy. Texas. All right, so like. Texas is one of the five main agriculture st- uh, states in, in the United States. Hemp and marijuana, if you look at the revenue that California, if you look at what they're doing, Oregon, whatever, they're immaculately changing their economy with just weed. Mm. Like, it's papers, you know, like textiles in general, like, you no, know, you can use it for tea. You can use it for just CBD. You can use it for getting high. And then it has medicinal purposes as well. Mm. It's like an all-around wonder drug, you know? Yeah, I've always been very pro, pro-cannabis, pro to be honest. I mean, of you know, like I, I think in comparison with like alcohol, for example, you know, it's it's been proven time and time again that it's far more detrimental to be, you know, regularly consuming alcohol as opposed to weed. But then again, it does kind of depend on individual reactions to certain drugs as well, like the, how the brain chemistry works and how people respond to it and, and such. I, I think want it, go on. I need your I need your perspective on something since you're from the like you'd say you're from the UK. Yes. Okay. So over here in America, whenever we're talking about like marijuana uh, illegalization. Um, it's brought up that the tobacco and alcohol companies and industries have suppressed the ability for cannabis to be illegal because they would lose sales. Have you heard that? Yeah, I, I think that's very logical. I, I agree that that's probably why. I mean, because there's many, there's many people in the UK that say that, you know, the only reason that cannabis is not legal is that they just haven't found a way to tax it. But as soon as they do that, then obviously the government can make money off of it and you know, I mean, I think that there is like a very, very slow push in the form of like, you know, CBD is legal. So I feel that yeah. that's like the entry level. And then very slowly, we might get to the point where it's like, you know, cannabis is legal. But um, I, I think it's a bigger consideration. And this is going into conspiracy a little bit. But I think it's like the government always wants you to have their drugs not yeah, no, exactly. like your own drugs like if you're growing your own stuff then there's a problem so it's not even really about the drug it's about like you know i, mean, I think it's the same in the states actually i was reading an article the other day really about like things like you can't collect your own like rainwater in in the states as an example there are some states that don't let you do that oh so there are some that do then here in, here in texas it's actually a really big um entrepreneurship like it's a big thing over here, especially in the area that I'm in, because we have so many estuaries, and like, like our land naturally co- collects rain and holds it. Like it, I'm assuming it just sparks the idea, anyways. You know, because like we have tons of businesses that are like rainwater collection companies, and they just come and set up your system, and it's super efficient. Like I've lived on three properties that had it. It's awesome. Like it's so efficient. No, good. I mean, I, for me, I think that the bigger issue is, is, or like the biggest consideration in this is, is just about people having the freedom to kind of, you know, if they want to live somewhere remotely off the land, off their own systems and stuff. Like you see, I see sometimes there are people that are like, like I saw a guy, I think he's like a Twitch streamer in the States who 
rides around in his own like mini bus kind of thing that's solar powered and everything and i'm just looking at this like man that's 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 how you want to live your life right there <laughs> I, was, I, I was rocking out of the van for a second it's the it way pretty, to go it, it was a uh, if you go on my instagram you'll see some pictures that like we renovated a van and, like, during the protests we kind of had like a punk house thing going on so like pretty much cool. to stay there if you were you know helping out and like mm-hmm. doing stuff with the band because i'm a part of two different groups so like i ATX Flowdown, which is the jazz band. It's like all improv. And like, so I get up there, freestyle rap, freestyle sing, like just like whatever comes off my head. And then the band behind me is, you know, just going hard, just jamming out. Like they they do take like standards from like jazz samples and stuff. Officially mm-hmm, mm-hmm. turn it into a freestyle hip hop beat. Yeah, and, and actually that, brings us quite nicely into into your music um but before we kind of because this is the kind of thing that and this is why i said to you beforehand why it was interesting and why i found this like you as a very interesting person because a lot of musicians that i've interviewed or people that i've met um is very straight up it's like this is what i do this is where you can find me end of right but with you it's kind of tricky like for instance you just mentioned right there that you've got this kind of jazz outfit thing and like i was under the impression that Okay, this, this is what I have written down. So there is your solo stuff, which we're going we're gonna to get into, right? Because yeah. you've literally just dropped something recently. So we're going we're gonna to delve into that and go quite deep into that. But you're part of this group called the Ugly Boy Click. And this is the thing, right? So I was looking at this and I was like, oh, it's, it's clearly like a, a band of some description or, or a group. And then I started looking around. I'm like, where can I find music? Where can I, where's the stuff? And then I'm like, Oh, okay. And then I look up another uh, interview with you guys from about two years ago where you're just sort of talk, talking and chilling and stuff. And I was like, I'm just, I'm really not getting the answer that I want. And basically, I guess what, what my first question is to you is, is like, is the Ugly Boy Click like, um, like, a, like a, a rap clan or something? I apologize. I sound probably ancient in terms of my questioning, but like, is it kind of like just a group of guys that are like similar minded and similar music or do you actually yeah. create music together? And if so, where can we actually find that music? <laughs> yeah. I'd love to explain. Oh, boy. Quick. Um, yeah. Let me, all right. So, Oh, boy. Quick is a punk rap trio. Right. We do make music together. Um, we kind of have this idea that we we could never get famous alone, but for some reason, when all three of us come together, like it's just really easy. Okay. People people love our charisma together. People just love the dynamics so much, and it just like happens naturally. Um, okay, I, I get that element of it, but like yeah, um... so. So our, our music, <laughs> our music is a really weird situation. So another thing is like, we don't really care that much. Like, okay. we're, like we're kind of lazy about it. And like, like that's just kind of like one of the aesthetics of being ugly is just like, kind of like not caring that much. Cause it's not that big of a deal. Um, basically all of our music is on SoundCloud. I'll just okay. put it but it could be on Spotify, iTunes. Uh, so, okay, to be clear, under the name Ugly Boy Click, it is possible mm-hmm. to find music by all yeah. three of you together. 
Yes. Okay, you're definitely going to have to send me a link to that because I could not yeah. find that for the life of me. And I it's tried. Just, yeah, <laughs> I believe me, I tried. Just, um, like, if you look up our at on anything, yes. like, on YouTube, on, like, if you just Google Ugly Boy Click, like, on Instagram, like, you'll find everything probably. See, that's the thing. I could only find your stuff, mm. which is fine. It's just mm. that I was like, I was interested in kind of seeing what you guys do together and then seeing how that differs with your solo stuff and yeah, seeing the differences in between kind of thing. So I would compare my solo stuff to a lot of like experimental, like mostly punk rap, metal rap stuff. But like whenever I'm with Obi Boy Click, we kind of go for a specific aesthetic. Okay. And yeah, it's it's kind of like a sad boy, mad boy, emo type thing, and it's okay. just like it's a it's a good way to talk about you know how how you're feeling. That's what a lot of our music is about is how we're feeling and what we're going through. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Um, Which is, and that's, that's what m mostly my music is about in general, because like the realist part of my name is like, I like to give music from a realist perspective. So uh, I just kind of put my, my, myself on the piece of paper, or I guess in the text, because I, I type to write. Okay. Okay. So, so like, yeah, like, and all, all of you guys, um, operates on a solo basis as well like you have your own things going on as well is that right technically technically um <laughs> if i if i if i could just explain the whole origin and just like i guess timeline of ugly boy quick yeah just, go go for it go for it please yeah, just to give you some uh just to give you some context so i i went to school in college station texas uh well technically brian college station got my associates in agriculture and that's why I was there. And uh, while I was there, I was making music under the name D-Real. And that music was more like radical government, Christian based, like really like the logical stuff. And like, I was just trying to uh, say some shit that would go over people's heads. And like, I, <laughs> I probably like a few hundred plays and like, I wouldn't really think about it because I always knew that like, that wasn't the music I, that would ever like get me big. Like that I was just like practicing essentially. So um, as soon as I graduated, I came out to Austin and uh, I was, I deleted all my stuff and uh, I wasn't online for probably, I don't know, like eight months and uh then, like, for some reason, I just, like, got it in me, and I just wanted to make music, so I hit up my, uh, my mentor, and we went, and we started making tracks, and uh, essentially, I won this competition that right. got me this this slot um, at this venue called Scratch House downtown, um, which closed now because of COVID, RIP, um, but um, Willis ended up hitting me up and saying, hey, yo, you know, I saw, I saw your video. Uh, can I come and film for you? Like, film your yeah. set. So I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah, like, it's my first set. I feel pretty cool. Uh, of course, I want somebody there to film it. That'd be awesome. So, like, uh, 
I'm, I feel like really obligated to like get to know him for some reason. So like I just look up his music and uh, I find this one song, Bad Girl. And uh, yeah, I really like it. And I notice at the very end of the song, he leaves like a minute and a, and a half of like the beat just riding out. And I was like, I could definitely put a verse on this and like make a remix. So that's what we did. And then that song kind of blew up a little bit. And then we just like had me, him and Cody, we had a, a week where like, it was like, we had like four shows like in one night. And that night we were just like hitting these shows, doing our songs and like going hard. And then at the very last show, like they were like, what do we call y'all? Cause like at first we were like just being introduced individually. And then like at the end it was like, all right, what do we call y'all? And Cody was just like, ugly boy click. And ugly stands for understand greatness, love yourself. It's the acronym. So it's just like about uh, empowering people and uh, making them not feel so shitty about how ugly the world is. Um, I dig that. That's a really cool message. And it's cool. I like, I like that story as well. That's so. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's a good story. Um, honestly, we kind of broke up for a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Cody and I were, um, so Cody and I were living on this commune, like outside of Austin and the owner of the land was going through a divorce and the, the, uh, like his ex, his lady, took half the land, right? And we were, like we were on the half that she took, and like a few other families, and we all had to leave. And uh, I hit up this one girl because uh, I also own a pet business. Like, I own oh, wow. yeah, so like I groom dogs and take care of animals and stuff. Okay, now I love you. Okay, you're an animal lover, so we're instantly friends. <laughs> yeah. like, um, I hit her up because like, I'm like, yo, I know you have a huge house. I'll help you take care of your animals. And like, I already know you like my music and you know what I'm about. So like, like I'll pay rent there. And like, I know you have a room in the back. And she was like, yeah, that's, I'm totally fine with that. Well, her and Cody started dating. And then like, a lot of things down and like at the time I have a dog too so uh I uh pregnant like my dog is pregnant yeah it's a big deal and uh yeah the puppies ended up being like really overwhelming and like mm -hmm. got kicked out of the house and then I was homeless with puppies oh no okay to the shelter like the only no kill shelter here in Austin like I took them all there I was able to give one of them away, but uh, basically I ended up homeless and dogless and yeah, it was really sad. So I was so pissed off at that, that I just told them that I was going to do my own thing. And uh, yeah, but Cody recently broke up with that girl and uh, apologized to me. And we had, you know, we've had a lot of really good days because like, like, these guys are legitimately like my bros. Like these are my brothers. Like I've gone on tour with them. I've gone all around the state. Me and Willis, we've actually gone out. Like we've gone to Cali together, like on a really big tour. And that was, though we were ugly boy quick at the time. It was still like we were there, you know, doing this shit together. 
And uh, yeah, I'm really glad that Cody came out of the woodworks with this because uh, like I said, we always thought that we could never do it on our own. Like mm. some it just comes so easy when we're all three doing it together. I don't think anyone truly gets to the top alone, even if they're represented as like being a solo act or, or, or whatever the case may be. You always have people around you. And you Teamwork have... makes the dream work. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And like, I think if, if nothing else, you know, it's like, it's better. You learn from people, you grow with people it's good to have people around you that kind of like, we have this expression, gas you up, um, like, you know, yeah. make you feel good about yourself and stuff and, and vice versa. And I feel like if, if you're just celebrating on your own, it's a bit like depressing. It's like, okay, great. But no one to share it with. Like, <laughs> I agree. I totally agree with that. That's exactly what I was feeling. <laughs> Cause like, I mean, my solo music, like my solo career was, you know, pretty successful. Like I had a lot of fun, like, I went on a lot of tours and the anxiety of not having to deal with the group was really nice. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like I had a good time and I am actually going on a, a national tour um, in February and that's just going to be me. And that's just something that I set up a while ago and just commit to it. And uh, I, think, I think a lot of the time as well, like it's good to have, if you're as part of a band, it's good to have a solo outfit because it's just like there's always going to be ideas things that you don't meet with um your contemporaries like on a, on a not necessarily like a personal level but like a creative level. there's always going to be like creative differences so it's good of to course. have like your own thing that you're like okay this is just anything that doesn't fit with this group i'll put it in this this would be my thing kind of thing yeah yeah and yeah co uh coincidentally the tour is a uh, you, do you guys know what juggalos are yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's I a juggalo tour. <laughs> can you explain this like, a little bit though? Because I know very little about this. Like the only thing I know is that this term comes from uh, the band, uh, the rap group, Insane Clown Posse. If I've got that correct. That's yes. That's that's the uh, origins of it. They uh, they okay. it and then the cult following kind of became the juggalos. Right. Okay. Basically. It's a whole ass genre. Right. Like, okay. There's a whole category of juggalo rappers and juggalo fans who only listen to juggalo rap. Um, I would say one of the kings of juggalo rap would be like um, Tech Nine. Like juggalos love Tech Nine. Okay. Like he's a big deal. And um, basically, they're just like really supportive people. Like they're really nice people. Like they go hard and like they're kind of crazy, but like at the end of the day, like they're there to show love. Like it's really cool. But, like, but what are like the defining characteristics that make okay, them yeah. jugglers? Because so I know most most jugglers paint their face. You know they get yeah, yeah, up. Yeah. Um, you know they like to sit fago. They call each other ninjas. You know okay. they uh, they go hard and they show love. That's, okay, cool. Well, yeah, <laughs> this is totally going over my head, but like, it's interesting to, to learn about that. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they're, they're, they're crazy crowd. That's what I'll, that's all I'll sell about them. <laughs> but it's perfect for uh, the mosh music, you know? Right, 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 right. They're ready to, to throw down. <laughs> but bringing it back to you, like, I, I got to say, um, before I go on with my questions, um, 
I will say, like, to me, it kind of sounds like you and, and the ugly boy click in general. Like, it's like you have a very relaxed attitude to music. And, and it's, to me, it sounds like you're kind of doing it, yeah, for the love of the music, which is obviously, like, the real reason everyone should be doing it. <laughs> but, like, what I mean by that is, um, it, okay, let's take the thing with, uh, with you getting filmed doing that stuff right it to me it kind of seems like you're more hands-off with your music in terms of like the management of it should we say right so your your head is in you know making the music playing the music being with your friends working together that's where your head is at right so your head is not necessarily in the whole uh, marketing of of your stuff and like thinking like yeah, I could do this with it and it would get more exposure or I could do this with it and, and it would go that, like, is that accurate to say or? So yeah, me personally, I, I, I don't like to think about that stuff. Like I okay. could, like, cause I went to school for agriculture marketing. Like I know how to market. Like I, that's, <laughs> okay. my, that's why my pet service is so successful. Like I know what I'm doing yeah. locally, but in terms of like getting big online going viral like like making bad girl was like a huge like random thing like when that went viral like we were just like i don't i don't i didn't know what we did like we were trying to create what we did after that point you know but like uh we really never were able to well i wouldn't say that there's a few songs that blew up after that but um anyways willis is mostly the guy that likes to think like, hey, we need to get our stuff on Spotify. We need to hit up this person for promotion. We need to do that. So Willis is the guy who talks and sends the emails out and uh, right. does a lot of our marketing and uh, dealing with brands who want to collab with us because uh, that's coming up. We're going to start collabing with a few clothing brands. I think we have like three and then like we're ambassadors for a few more. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, like, and he sets most of that up, and uh, yeah, I just, I just don't like to think about that shit, because, like I said, I have my own business, I sell CBD, like, I like to chill, and I just, I just want to make music at the end of the day. And I, I think that's what I'm just worrying about that stuff. Like, I'm not gonna worry about this. Yeah, I think if anything, um, it kind of works in your favor that you do that, and what I mean by that is like. You know, most musicians, yeah, will either have a team working for them that are handling this or they're doing it themselves. Like, I suppose it depends where you're at in your career and, and such. Like, for instance, right now, it's not to do with music, but I'm doing literally everything for this podcast, like everything. And I'm like looking at the increasing workload, like I need a team. I need, I need people to do like this, 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 and this. But it's the reason for that is obviously because uh, I just can't do everything myself uh forever you know that, that that's that's more like bore out of necessity than anything else but um bringing it back to you like i i find this interesting because a like i said there's that that approach to things a different mindset and such but also you know you guys have a very big follow like your personal account has a big following on instagram the ugly boy mm -hmm. click has a big following um but then like for instance like you have a small following on the youtube so it's like there's a clear kind of like um strategy in terms of like where you guys are most prevalent so it's like okay 
Instagram and SoundCloud is like where we're focusing our efforts and stuff mostly. And yeah. then and live shows as well. Uh, obviously as a musician, but like in terms of like where the focus point is. But um, I feel like, and get back to my um, main point here, is, is that I feel like it's, it's almost like a, a strategy in of itself. It's like if you look at like your Instagram and then the ugly boy click one, it's like people are almost like buying into like an aesthetic or an idea or a, a lifestyle maybe is a better way of putting it. And I think like that is the biggest appeal about all of this. That's what fascinates me. Like I'm like sitting there like, oh, this is different. I haven't seen this, but I've seen something similar to this. Um, actually, real quick, how, how old are you? Just out of interest. We're all 24. 24, okay. Yeah, because yeah. um, like to me, it's like something that like I have, uh, I can connect with the music, but like I, there's like a, a barrier, like I'm just too old. I'm a couple, of, I'm like 27. So I just, I feel like there's a disconnect there. And the, the closest thing I can compare it to is, I have a younger brother who's uh, about 14, 15, and we, we get on very well. We, you know, we connect on a, on a good level, but like there is a lot of stuff that I see him post where I'm like, what is, I don't understand this. This is alien to me. And it's interesting that you, you guys are like sort of mid twenties. Cause that would imply like, it's not even an age thing. It's more of a, uh, like I said, like a lifestyle thing, like a, just a particular approach to life. I just find that really <laughs> interesting especially yeah. in terms of the actual uh marketing of, of you guys um but not not so much about the business side but more just just the presentation i guess is more what i'm getting at i mean i like to look at it from a sociological perspective you know like i'm definitely able to understand a crowd and see what they want you know um but i would say the the ideals that ugly boy could try to push are very wholesome very meaningful and definitely very real you know everybody should want to feel like that you know everybody should want to um you know love themselves the only the only way to understand greatness is to love yourself you know like you have to understand yourself more. before you can understand anything um so basically yeah like if you Honestly, it wasn't intentional to keep it all on Instagram and SoundCloud. Um, we just, like, for some reason, like I said, like, whenever I came back to Austin, like, I, I started my, like, that account was probably only like three. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, I had just became DMT, like, I think, like, in March of 2018. And uh, so basically like we were just posting on instagram and then like cody was getting like 200 likes on average and it was just because he had like the aesthetic and then like i kind of figured out how he uses instagram and then like i started doing it that way and i started like really watching instagram videos like how to get followers and how to like you know like i was doing a lot of like research on social media um, but we just focused a lot on Instagram and honestly, I, we can't figure out how to get YouTube followers. We can't figure out how to get our Instagram followers to go to our YouTube and watch our AMVs and stuff. Because I mean, honestly, even I find it arbitrary to watch music videos, 
you know, over and over again nowadays. Like, I'm not just going to sit and watch a music video. Like, I have Apple Music. Like, I'll mm. just download it to my phone and that's it. It's over, you know. So, like, I would love to be at least that, I guess, uh, um, what's the word? Um, reachable, like, able to uh, be downloaded like that and then not, have, you know, have to think about it. But, you know, like, for some reason, like, SoundCloud makes it easy. And with our following, we're able to, you know, at least get a thousand views, net, like, organically. And, like, that's satisfying to me, you know? Like, yeah, I agree. Actually, my, my previous guest that I had on the show, we were talking a little bit about, like, you, you sort of, like, when you, when you have something that's working, you kind of, you roll with it, you go with it, right? And I think with, with marketing and, like, presenting yourself and such, like, you know, I'm everywhere on, online as well, but like I've found that there are certain areas that do better than others, but also you have to approach everything so differently. So like the way you approach Instagram is drastically different to YouTube. And I feel like you won't always necessarily like have the same fan bases either. Like I feel like, you know, those people that do follow you on Instagram or find you through SoundCloud, like you say, like they're not interested in watching music videos. Music videos are kind of a, controversial but like a passe thing I, I don't think i really watch them anymore maybe it depends who's making them what the purpose yeah. is you know i think like, if like i'll watch a really famous person's music video just to like you know see a real creative mind speak to me you know through a visual but like honestly i'm not gonna watch my homeboys video you know like i don't know about it <laughs> I think yeah. it really depends for me. I mean, I'm interested if it's like political, like like when Childish Gambino released his his music video for um, See, This Is America, like that. I found that's interesting. Like one you have to watch, you know. That's one you. Right. I, I saw it once, you know. Like I at least. But this is what I mean. Like it, it, that versus I don't know watching the latest Beyonce video. Like you already know what to expect. There's not going to be anything like groundbreaking in that. So why should you bother? Like you might as well just listen. Yeah listen on spotify or apple music or whatever like you know i've thought that about beyonce <laughs> I, i'll just give that as an example but yeah no, um, I'm, literally that I'm thinking of a specific memory <laughs> <laughs> but anyway i mean I, th I think you're killing it with regards to that i mean anyone that isn't familiar with dmt i recommend you go check out his instagram if nothing else because certainly from a marketing perspective the only reason i'm so fixated on that is just because i studied marketing i just mm. find that interesting on a on a level um because like every post you make you don't do it like all the time you just you do it sparingly but when you do it it gets like thousands of likes and that's the thing there is like a threshold there's a difference between like you know having some popular posts and then absolutely crushing it <laughs> every time and that always implies like a, as you say, like a, a different kind of a specific approach that you've um, achieved through, through like studying in some shape or form or, or a particular strategy that works. But I feel like the, all of the social media platforms, um, you just have to figure out like who your audience is. And then once you've done that, you, you can just appeal to them in, in whatever way, like look at the way they communicate and then communicate in that same way. Yeah. Literally, like, for one, a long time ago, whenever I was, uh, <clears throat> I was, so like, whenever I was learning how to uh, be a dog trainer and cut hair and stuff, 
I was basically like a right hand man for the guy who was running the business. <clears throat> and um, he taught me a lot about marketing. And one thing he put in my head was there's a market for everything. There is a market, like no matter, if you can't find your market, then you're not a good businessman. Yes. You know? Completely agree, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it was really good to work with him one-on-one because uh, yeah, I was really able to see how to make a business grow. And like he had the funds to do it. But the thing is, everything takes money. And yeah. that's something that we don't have, which sucks. Because <laughs> I know that if we had funds for marketing and like, right? I think crowdfund is, is the way to go for you guys based on your audience. That I makes know, the most sense. We hate, we hate asking people for things. Yeah, but you got, you got to look at it like in terms of what you're delivering. Because if it's just like, hey, guys, can you give us some money because we're poor, <laughs> lol, then that's not going to work. If it's like, hey, guys, you know, um, we need it to make like this music video or make this tour a reality. And, you know, pe- people buy into that because they support, as you like you said before, yeah, they, they're supporting an idea or, or something like that. And I know it sucks because I know what you're trying to say is just like it, it sucks when you're yeah asking for money, asking for material possessions and stuff. But like, it's just how our society works, isn't it? Like you need money to do anything. Like the only reason I have like this mic that I'm using right now is because of a donation from someone else who believed in me and was like, "Hey, I believe in you. Go nuts, do it." And I was like, "Holy fuck!" And I got like even more motivated than I previously was. Mm. Um. But yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. I'm not, I don't like asking either. Uh, it just feels odd. So, I mean, <laughs> like, we've thought about it, of course. Like, we've thought about it. And, like, if, it makes sense. Like, and I've seen a lot of, like, GoFundMes and Kickstarters, like, really pop off here in Austin, like, for people that I know personally. And, um, like, it's kind of kind of peer pressured me to want to do it even more but uh yeah i don't know at the end of the day like much more satisfying to blow up and say we never spent a dime i mean i i certainly think that's possible too because like i said i don't i don't often come across musicians such as yourself so it's it's cool there's something in that that like i think these days when you consider like how oversaturated the music market is um you know being different being unique is the only thing that can really push you and make you and not just that actually also being relatable like being able to connect with people on some level you know because it's one thing to just produce music that people like yeah okay that's good great but like actually being able to present something that everyone's like yeah i feel that i get that i'm with that that's me whatever like that yeah you know what i mean like when i look at my music taste over the years like i've said this a million times on the podcast but in in terms of the our particular conversation um music has always kind of represented particular moments in my life and certain like this was me then this is me now blah 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 and that's why like i don't listen I can like I can still listen to music I used to listen to, but it feels kind of odd because it's not really like okay, like for example, I used to listen to like a lot of like metal and rock and stuff like that when I was growing up because I was just really pissed off 
angry teenager. Like I just had so much shit going on and I was like, fuck the world. So it made sense to listen to like Slayer and Lamb of God and all that. Right. But now yeah. when I listen to it, it's like, I love it, but it's like, I'm not angry. I'm very happy. Like I do you know appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, I always appreciated it. Like, yeah. I think when I became a musician, uh, that's when it changed. And I was like, oh, okay, now I see it on the, you know, the musician level. But <laughs> um, in terms of like relatability, it, it changed. And I think that like, that's another, just on a side note, like if you're a, a musician, that's, you always have to be growing and changing with your audience and reinventing yourself so that you're growing. Like, you can't do the same thing forever because your audience will change and you change as well. That's why I always find it funny when people give uh, musicians shit for like, uh, like, oh, this album sucks, like it didn't work. And it's like, well, that's that particular person's artistic vision at that particular point. It's only, an, it's only like an issue when like they're doing something like, I don't know, to sell out. And it's purely like not to do anything with like creativity, but just like, oh, we just want to make money. I think that's when it's an issue. And maybe like the fans have like a, a fair point to like be like fuck you kind of thing <laughs> or sometimes there's just genuinely bad <laughs> well yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah like there's some people you're like man come on you're 30 you're not gonna make it <laughs> but um, <sighs> i'm just kidding no like, Do you know, I, people I, who take it too seriously though you know i think it, it really does depend on your attitude and like I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but th this is really random, but I think it's, when I was at uni a couple of years back, about four years ago, some shit like that, um, there was this pub that we used to go to that was across the street from our university. And, and like I'd, when I was at uni, I just didn't have the time to do music. Like I did it now and again, but I kind of, I said this in another uh, interview that I kind of put my soul on a back seat and did the whole marketing degree and then came back and was like, huh, okay, this is what I should be doing with my life and, and not marketing. <laughs> but anyway, um, when I would do music, I would, I would go to places like this pub and they had like a open mic night, you know, your standard thing. And it was a weird because it was a, it was open to the public. So it was a student pub, but it was open to the public. So like you'd have like loads of students in there, but then every now and again, you'd have like, fred who's 60 having a pint and like these and <laughs> there were these two musicians that would regularly come to this open mic night and they were well into their 60s and you could tell that they've been playing music all their life and that they've got a bit of a chip on their shoulder that they never made it and here's the thing like we're all in our like 20s some of us are teenagers right uh, and we're playing and we're kind of as you like you you know just chill enjoying the music like whatever we're not really like we need to make it kind of attitude <laughs> plus we're all students so we're all like this is our downtime to get away from you know yeah. work essentially um and basically like the reason i bring this up is because these two guys were like really they had like this attitude sort of like they felt like they were above people like if you if you didn't meet their like musical level then you, they wouldn't talk to you kind of thing and like i just i remember laughing at that but like i didn't i wasn't angry at them if anything like i pitied them i was like that's really sad that like that's the mentality that you have you know what i mean because yeah. i feel like you totally missed the point that like like most musicians that like some of the most successful musicians of all time 
were successful because they just chased their vision. They didn't give a fuck about money or fame or any of that stuff. That that stuff just happened around them. You know, mm. they made they made the right decisions. You know, they met the right people. Whatever, right? They, you know, and a certain degree of luck. But ultimately, it's about chasing that vision, and and moving forward with that. And that's why they made it. And I feel like a lot of musicians, and you know, not just in music, in general, people, you know, going for kind of creative things in life and, and really trying to push it and make it. If your head is too stuck in, how much money can I make? Have I made it yet? Is everyone listening? Blah 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 blah. Like people can see through that shit you know people are too intelligent especially now like you know they can see through that and once they see that it doesn't have a soul and that all you care about is those things you're never gonna get make it ever Mm -hmm. i don't know that's what i've noticed (laughs) no yeah totally like if you make soulless music you know if you make music that you don't mean it's it's even personally it's i've experienced like there's a lot of artists that I know, you know, they're just saying stupid stuff. Like Playboy Cardi, for instance, like, of course, I understand that he can create a vibe, he can create an atmosphere, but if you look at the lyrics, it's like, what's the point of having a rapper on the song if he's not going to say anything, you know, like, you know, there's, there's just a lot of uh, controversy with, like, mumble rap. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. <laughs> it's interesting, you know, because like, I feel like it all kind of depends as far as rap is concerned on, on like the purpose of the rap, because like, you know, you've got particular movements that, you know, that's a movement that lasts say five or 10 years and then the next thing comes along. Right. Um, but whereas like other, other rappers just kind of exist to like fill a, a particular spot like oh i'm i'm the guy like the hype guy i'm the guy that comes on the track and does this or, or whatever you know there's always there's different functions in terms of like being a rapper in today's society you know versus like you know way back when 20 30 years ago being a rapper was more more unique you know what i mean it yeah. was, for example here's here's an example like a lot of rappers now are kind of having to to sing now as well like they have to kind of diversify in that way like they can't just put out an album and only rap and it's like why why can't you do that but there's like this expectation from the industry from to a certain degree fans and and like just musicians i guess in general like you know you need to you need to do some singing you need to you know put some notes on there as well you can't just rap i agree it's, I don't know. It's it's weird. I I even I feel the pressure. You know, like I definitely feel that pressure. Like uh, that's why we try to strive to make our sound so unique, and that's why I sing and have so many different ways to sing. You know, like it's. Well, I think that's that's the that's the key in this, and that's kind of what I'm alluding to as well. Is like if you're pushing your thing and you're not worried about like essentially trends, then mm-hmm. you're gonna go far because you're just doing your thing. Whereas yeah. like trends come and go, like they could last a couple of years, they could last five minutes. You know, yeah. you, really, you really don't know. It's, it's, for instance, like trap is really big right now, but like how long is that realistically gonna last? You know, True. there will be a point where people are like, okay, we've, we've heard most of what you can do with trap that's in, in terms of it being like experimental or interesting. You know, people move, it's, it's like if you take a uh, heavy metal, you know, that I remember growing up in like uh, sort of mid 2000s, early 2010s and like, the theme then was like, how fast is your band? 
how fast can you go? How fast are the double bass kicks and shit? And it was like, if you weren't fast, you're shit. You know, it's like, <laughs> get out. And like, obviously that got to a point. There was like a band that went faster than everyone. And then it's like, okay, well, you know, what's the next thing? Do you know what I mean? And then Jen came along and then, you know, the next thing after that and, and so on. It's, it's, I think, it, yeah, the point is, if you get stuck on those trends, like you're chasing that rather than chasing um, your own creativity and your, and your own interests. And yeah, people, people in general have very low attention spans i think and that's that's the thing like they're just once they're done with you they're just so you want to like go for that loyal fan base that that you're going for like people that are like yourself that makes logical sense to me anyway people who people who uh try to buy into the uh lifestyle like you said absolutely absolutely um now this is an interesting question if you had to define the genre of your music or maybe describe the sound how would you define that because <laughs> i struggled <laughs> so like my vocal range is like like from falsetto all the way to like this like weird wow like crazy growl so like i'm able to do a lot of soft stuff so like it's like it's like if uh, joji could sing like uh the guy from creed <laughs> wow what a picture and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah and then he made a emo rap in like <laughs> no rap that's not coming back is it god no please no <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's redefined all right so it's i mean no like, no, no more crunk yeah none, none of that i wouldn't even call it emo rap because like i don't know it's like more like grunge grunge punk rap like i don't know how to just punk rap. yeah yeah and I, I get it like i've, I've listened it's to more hardcore stuff. it's definitely more hardcore than like we don't use auto-tune like we're pretty mm. much hard. yeah no i mean well, let's let's get on to, to your latest release. Let's let's move to that because I I found this really interesting because when I tracked back and I looked at like your stuff that you released in say 2018, 2019, it followed kind of what you're talking about right now. That that kind of sound it matched that perfectly. Mm. But then okay, so your most recent release is called Untitled August 25th, mm. and it differs greatly in terms of the sound and the style in comparison with the older work and. I just jotted down some notes when I was listening to it and it kind of, what I heard was like a kind of an old school nineties R and B slash rap vibe. It was really cool and refreshing. And it I was like, this is totally different to everything he's done before. Um, and I guess my question is like, is this like a permanent change in your sound or is this like, I want to try something different. I want to mix it up, see how this is received. Like what, what's the purpose with this particular release? I did it because I could. I, uh... I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I wanted to make the sound, so, uh, I just tried to make it. I play. gave it a concept, which involves kind of like a romantic concept. Hmm. And then I wanted the aesthetic to be kind of like kawaii. 
And then I just made the album just because. Did you feel out of your comfort zone doing it or did it feel comfortable? Oh, yeah. Fucking sometimes. Like, honestly, because, like, writing pop stuff, like, trying to be poppy, pop-ish, I don't know what the word is. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely, like, selling out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I definitely wanted to practice just like that sound, like just just mm-hmm. to, you know, like it's just like a. With me, like like I said, like my solo stuff is really experimental. Okay. I'm like all over the place, and you know that was just me playing around, <laughs> and just seeing if I could do it, seeing if people would get that it's a pop vibe, like. I personally think it has legs. I mean, I think that like if that's something you wanted to do again in the future, well, I'm personally down for it. I think it worked for you, and I think that you you put your own your own like take on it. I think more importantly, like it wasn't yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it wasn't just straight up pop. It wasn't it had like influences that are outside of your normal kind of let's say playbook. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, um, but it works and yeah. it fits. And I, think I, I would, I would say that uh, practicing like those tones and practicing like doing stuff like that has has helped like recording for Ugly Boy Click stuff because whenever we drop this stuff like, like my vocals sound pretty choice. Like my, it's, it it yeah. seems to be positively sort of received. Um, you know, like you. By the way, everyone listening to the to the podcast, you can find this on SoundCloud. I'll put a link in the description. Um, but yeah, like just the initial kind of vibe. Like obviously, this is just released, but it's like people really dig it. They're into it. You know, so it's yeah, it's, it's like opened up your potential in terms of like things you can do and things you can mix yeah i like to be i like to show how versatile i can be you know just to flex on people sometimes um right i'm gonna switch things up and ask you something totally left field uh this is more serious so or it's very serious uh but i thought it, it was interesting because you don't necessarily see a lot of musicians doing this now with everything that's going on in the world with uh you know black lives matter and protests and everything uh certain musicians are you know kind of being part of that and and trying to contribute to that and that includes you guys and i thought it was really cool like you were actively out there protesting i guess in in texas then this is texas protest okay cool um yeah and and like i i had to like double check and make sure because you referred to it as a movement and stuff and i was like oh what 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 are they like i presumed it was for blm but i didn't know 100 percent. and then i looked and i was like okay yeah that's that's what they're um performing for to be more specific so there's videos of you guys performing and kind of just you know marching and then just showing support yeah um talk to me a little bit about this in terms of your personal experiences you know uh, the progress you guys made. Um, just talk to me a little bit about that. Okay. All right. I wasn't expecting this. So ATX Flowdown is the group that I was with during the protests. I wasn't like Ugly Boy Quick, uh, like show any political stance or anything. 
Um, but me personally, you know, I obviously have my political stances. Um, the ATX Flowdown is the jazz group that you mentioned before. Right? Yeah, that's the jazz group. Yeah. And uh, so we started, so our riot started March 31st. And uh, we also had somebody who was killed by police in April, on April 24th, which is uh, my birthday, actually, coincidentally. And uh, so we, we uh, you know, because George Floyd riots, we got out there and uh, me and ATX flew down. I was actually out of town. I was in Houston and uh, I was like, oh shit, we got to get back. And then um, June 2nd was the first day that we started protesting. And we protested for pretty much two months straight. Like, Damn, okay. Like, we did a lot of things such as we took on the Lyndon Nuno case, which was a... I'm not gonna get too specific, you know, but uh, it was just a woman who had her child abducted by one of the police members um, through a series of technicalities. Um, so I'll say that. And then we, you know, for one, we played music like for everybody, like we, catered every single day like we spent like over like twenty five hundred dollars like it it's like literally honestly why we're kind of like in the shithole right now like we're kind of like recuperating from all of that um so um but we were there a lot and we uh had people you know come up and freestyle had them come up and read poems, had them come up and, you know, sing for us and do whatever they wanted on the mic, you know, start chants, anything. And then um, we went to Tulsa, we went to the Trump rally. It was the first- Wow. Yeah, we went to the first Trump rally of the year. Uh, Yeah, it was pretty epic. And then we marched with uh, the Black Lives Matter Tulsa and uh yeah the trumpers were pretty pissed off at us you got to tell me more on this like what happened like how how what are they doing how so, they for one it was uh it was the night of juneteenth we left to go to tulsa like we just like went from playing music downtown yep straight to tulsa it sucked it was really hard and then um we get there and like we pass out in this cafe and like they let us sleep there and stuff. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, because like it was already kind of like a hub for like medics and stuff. And like there was a lot of medics, like they were geared up, like they were ready to fucking go. Um, like, but like we were passed out <laughs> like, with all the chaos going around us. We were like just like knocked out. And, um, and we met up with the uh, Black Lives Matter Tulsa. And like in Tulsa, it's very interesting because like here we do have a lot of like Indian or uh, Native American tribes. 
but like in uh, Tulsa, it's like it's very, very prominent. Like, okay. like a lot of the black community are part of like Native American. It's very interesting. Like, hmm. like uh, I think the most prominent one was the Blackfoot. Like they they talked about the Blackfoot tribe a lot, and uh, yeah, it was it was just like really uh, inspiring to march down Black Wall Street, which I guess in the 20s was like the most rich African-American community. Hmm. And uh, it was like massacred because of envy from the white people. (laughs) Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, it was really bad. And uh, yeah, we were pretty much just playing jazz for them and letting them rap on the mic and saying their speeches and yeah we marched a really long ways <laughs> and uh it was really it was really fun well like, you, man. really inspiring and it, it went really successful one like it gave us insight on how to lead a peaceful protest and like not incite all the crap that people like to do you know like to get them arrested and go crazy and how which, how you know, how were the police kind of generally during this whole time? Police in Austin are hard as fuck, honestly. They run over us with horses and spray us and like barely for any reason. Um, They are super apathetic to our injuries. Like we had somebody who was like shot and like they barely rushed to the scene. Like it was terrible. <laughs> but yeah, they hate us and we hate them a lot. <laughs> and um, were they any different in Tulsa? Because Tulsa is in Oklahoma. And is that, so I'll go sound really ignorant, but is Oklahoma, it's a state, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Texas is on the border of Mexico and then right. Oklahoma on the border of texas right 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 so yeah it's a different state um yeah what what were the police like there were they any different so no because well yes they were extremely different because the president was in town uh yeah mm-hmm. yeah so they really didn't give a crap about us like they realized that we were being peaceful like we had our own militias at the at our route. Like we were running around with our own militias and stuff and like everything was you know, like you know, we just marched and like chanted and you know. Some Trumpers would pass by and get caught in the you know <laughs> get caught in it, but you know. What what were they generally like? Because um as as a you know, a British man like looking from an outsider's perspective in, what I see and what I hear is, you know, Trump sort of saying like, hey, you know, we need to be like vigilant on protesters and, you know, basically kind of like saying that like all protesters are violent, which is obviously bollocks. Um, yeah. But, they, you know, he, they want to fuck us up. Right, right. That much is apparent. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just, there's so many stories of that and it's, so many people i mean i see see a lot of it on twitter of people you know saying like hey this is what the media isn't reporting kind of thing Um, right 
so given that okay so trump's trump's there it's a trump rally and you guys are there um is there is there any kind of like uh like fights between you guys i mean you you guys right so i should i should reiterate on, on what i mean with this um you guys are being peaceful and that's how these things always start that like you know um any violence that incurs typically comes from that like trump side or or like um and this for those who don't like conspiracy i mean this this is the actual fact that there are people that work for the government who are basically told to like try to start violence so they do things like um you know like i saw one video where it was like there was a bunch of bricks that were laid in a particular area like hey take the bricks smash the windows because if you do that we get to you know beat the shit out of you basically um <laughs> and that's the thing like all of the blm protests have been like like pretty much 99 percent like you know peaceful because you know the whole point is that you know we want to peacefully protest put forward the fact that you know this is what we believe and and that like you know the government needs to take action and things need to change right that is really clear and like the only way you're going to do that is by peacefully putting that across i mean i know there's arguments that you know like maybe violence is the answer but i don't think violence is ever the answer personally um and if anything this whole uh time it's kind of proven that like that that violence is coming from that that trump kind of um group if, if you like you know that sphere it's like mm. um they think the best idea is is to just you know stamp on things and try and try and stamp out people's voices but you, you can't do that like you know it's especially with 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 what we're talking about you know it's and to the extent that it's got to but anyway um to get to get to my point like what were those Trump supporters like towards you guys? Like, are they, are they kind of trying to like provoke you or are the police trying to provoke you or like, what's the kind of situation with that? Cause you're marching past, you know, you're, you're being vocal, but you're being respectful, but obviously they're not necessarily always being like that. So what are they like? So there's a lot of times and like I have seen the bricks being laid out, that was weird. Um, so I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if that was a coincidence or if that was real, but I did. There's, there's no coincidence that I I've literally <laughs> seen videos of like I don't know if it's police officers or or like I don't know whatever, but like deliberately walking down streets, smashing windows like like kind of routinely in a weird like not actually attacking anyone just deliberately smashing the windows as a kind of you know precursor to be like right we can arrest everyone we can use force because look what they've done which yeah yeah but anyway um so we have had some like back the blue people and trump supporters which back the blue is like um they support police like they say blue lives matter Oh, so that's where that comes from. Yeah. Oh, I never knew that. Okay, all right. Okay. You good? Um, I thought it was just people taking the piss on Twitter. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So, cool. um, yeah, no, they're they're super serious about it. It's really weird. Hmm. Um, because I'm just gonna say, like that idea, like you can't choose to be, you know, your skin color. Right. Of course. 
and choose <laughs> what what career you have. So it's like, dude, yeah, you know, I mean, because not all police officers are violent, obviously. Like, yeah. there's plenty of decent, good officers, like mm-hmm. everywhere. It's it's more. I I always call it. Um, I always refer to it as institutional racism. So like the yeah. top, the top end, the people that are in charge are the racists and that filters down and enables racists to then become part of the police force. So it's not necessarily that like the police are racist. It's that the people controlling the police and the, uh, are the enablers and the ones that are actually racist. But it's the reason I say institutional is because it's at the top level, but it's enabled by like the government and, and the heads of states and stuff. Yeah, charge the laptop. And to a certain extent, we have that in, in, in England as well. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily on, on, on the same uh, level as America, but I definitely have seen like racism in, 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 in Britain as far as like police is concerned and uh, police like, you know, overusing their power when they shouldn't and, and so on. It's a very common thing. Um, but I'd say it's more, it's much more prevalent in America. Um, and I guess that the confusion element is because like every state is different. It's almost like a mini country. So you've got like, as you, as you explained in, earlier in our conversation, you know, you've got like that federal level, state level, and then municipal level. Uh, so it differs according to that. Um, Because I've I've seen so many things like state by state, like one state, you know, police are acting unacceptably. And then in another state, they're like really peaceful, like marching along with the BLM's uh, protests and just kind of doing what police do, you know, um, uh, supporting and and making sure everyone's safe. So it's (laughs) very confusing. It's it's honestly like city by city, like uh, because Austin is one of the most like liberal cities in Texas. But like there's some places around us mm. where it's like completely back the blue rallies and like there's n- barely any Black Lives Matter. And like if you do a BLM thing, like you're extremely like, like hurt, like people really want to fuck you up, like for some reason makes no sense uh, yeah i don't know why they're so discriminated against still like there's no point like it's 2020 like people i mean dude there's still people marching in like kkk uniforms in america in 2020 i know this is still something that happens and and the police allow it no i know you know like what, what happened recently with um I don't know the names specifically, but the guy who shot, like the white guy who shot uh, two people and killed them and the police just let him go. Yeah. Like just... they, arrested him. they arrested him eventually, luckily. So hopefully he's tried for those murders. I think, I think the immediate response though tells you everything. I mean, it's just so like, it's, it's like, it's like when there's like a court case, right? And there's so much overwhelming evidence to say that a person is guilty, but then the, the judge is like, hmm, well, you know, I don't know, you know, and it's like, dude, come on. <laughs> like, there's so much. Like, it, it's gone beyond the point of, of like doubt at this point. It's, it's like yeah. beyond ridiculous. It's like, okay, 
there's a really big problem and it need like it's not even that we should resolve this it's like it has to change like if nothing else i think blm has has shown and then like um the amount of people that have been just unjustly killed for no reason and it's been sort of explained away is is the biggest problem here you know like just kind of um trying to justify that is just is all kinds of just crazy just yeah i'm just hoping all those people just die one day jesus christ i hope they see sense i think uh, that's what i hope for um you know because you know we're all human at the end of the day and uh that would be so cool if they could though anything's possible you know? Dude, you have no idea how brainwashed they are. Oh no, no, no! I, I do. I mean, we've <laughs> we've got them in in England, but believe it or not, I mean, it's it's been. Oh, yeah. We've got we've got people. Um, we've got like, for example, we have this uh, group in in England called the EDL, which uh, stands yeah. for the English Defence League. It's basically a bunch of of white people that get together, and um, they're racists, and and they they basically just it's not even like political really. I mean, it's, it's just a big group of people that get together and just, you know, target like Muslim communities, for example, and just smash up places, start fights, get violent. And, uh, are just generally horrible and racist. And, um, there's a few of these groups and, and there's a few political parties as well that are, you know, racist and they've kind of been exposed and largely are just mocked and, and not taken seriously but you know surprising how much um support that they gain uh there's been some instances where uh f- they've earned um seats in in parliament in in the european parts so when we were part of the eu uh, we had what what you would call an mep so it's a member of the U- european parliament and they were voted in by a section of the british public so there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, racism's everywhere, man. Obviously, but it's it's yeah. kind of mad uh, when it's in that organised way, and I, I think a lot of the time it, it's not obvious racism in the sense that, like, you know, your average person walking on the street isn't probably not racist. Do you know what I mean? It's it's. I think it's a. It's always going to be that smaller percentage, but that smaller percentage on vocal about it they keep it to themselves kind of thing um you know like I, I one of my previous guests i had i had this joke with um where <laughs> kind of they're the sort of people that like they'll walk in a room and they'll try and test the waters with people and be like you know throw like a little bit of a racist joke out there or, or like say like oh yeah these people are the problem right and then they'll see what people say and if everyone's like yeah then it's like okay great i'm with my people and if it's like not like that then they're like they'll just shut up and not say anything <laughs> just like hide and uh, that's the reality of being a racist at least in the uk um but in, in america i suppose the problem more is that like you know like the government kind of it almost like enables it you know like you hear Trump come out and say that he supports BLM and stuff, but it's, it's, come on. It, it, do you yeah. know what I mean? It's not, he's not done anything concrete that actually helps people, protects people. He He's just kind of like start, well, starting a war on Antifa, Antifa and, and just kind of, I don't know, trying to draw attention away from that, I guess. But 
whatever anyway um just wanted to say a big thank you for, for sharing that i appreciate it. i know it's quite serious and a bit of a deviation but i just really wanted to to talk about that with you because of uh seeing your involvement in that i thought that was really cool and um yeah. just something that should be shared and uh and spoken about a little bit so moving yeah. on uh let's let's go on to more positive topics <laughs> um bringing it back to what you uh, talking about uh your work with animals you describe yourself as an animal behaviorist tell me more about that yeah man um so whenever i was in high school i bred and and um you know what um showing a livestock animal is no idea so uh here in texas or here in america we have um the ffa which is essentially future farmers of america right and um we're able to um raise our own livestock and then present them for to a judge and then you know based on their judgment you can win first prize essentially okay cool in layman's terms um so uh, I did that and I was pretty good at training my goats and taking care of my babies. And uh, that's kind of how I got into animal husbandry and, you know, shearing animals and, you know, giving medication. And then uh, I got a lot of money from that. So I went to school for it. And then... Did you get like a like a scholarship or something like that? or No, it was, it was uh, independent just like winnings from a uh, pot that, okay yeah well, just fair like play, a, man. Fair play. yeah and then uh yeah it's some it's some like backwards country shit right no no i mean i'm <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, from, I'm not from austin i'm from a small town like 30 minutes outside of austin i don't think there's anything wrong with country you know i've lived and worked on farms myself in other countries and i think if anything it's good for the soul i think more people should 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 do that should experience it because uh you know obviously dating back in history you know that's that's how life was that's how people lived you know this civilization that we have now in form in terms of city living uh has meant that like (laughs) i have friends in um that sometimes refer to it as like old knowledge um but it's it's true do you know what i mean like in a situation where um like here, here's something interesting right when this pandemic started i started googling uh seeds you know like for you know just like vegetables and stuff i was just curious to see like you know the, the types of seeds you can get and stuff like because i'd like to start collecting at some point and just thinking ahead you know um eventually if i have land or whatever and I went on a couple of websites and they were like either sold out or like really, really expensive. It's like a lot of people had had this idea of like, this is what we need to be doing. This, you know, you, we need to start stockpiling this stuff, you know, like smart people, you know, <laughs> your average person is going and going like, oh, fuck, I don't have toilet roll. That's what your average person's doing. But the smart people are like, no, I need to be investing in like seeds and stuff. Because like, for example, if, if the, the economy is fucked, right? Mm-hmm. and like money is is no longer worth anything things like seeds are going to be the new currency <laughs> you know, that's that's the reality of the situation 
trash currency. We're going to use cubes of trash as currency. Cubes of trash. No, I mean, it's, it's anything that sustains life, isn't it? You know, it's like seeds. It's, um, uh, I imagine materials, you know, uh, to build and, and such will, will drive up in price and stuff. But like, we will be trading again. We're, well, we've always been trading as a species, but you know what I mean? Like money, it, money, money just exists as that thing of, of like, I suppose it's more ease, ease of use really, isn't it? It's quicker. It's quicker than, you know, it's quicker for me to be like, hey, here's, I don't know, $200, give me that goat versus, oh, okay, uh, let's trade this ox for this goat. Like, obviously, that's a stupid trade, but you get my point. <laughs> it's like, you know, actually facilitating that trade is a pain in the ass. So that's where, like, I, I imagine where money kind of originally came into play. It's like, yeah, let's use this, you know. Um, and obviously, before that, it was it was gold, Um but yeah, anyway, I'm getting into the weeds. Sorry. <laughs> I just, I, I find this stuff interesting. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. I'd love to live in a free market economy. It'd be amazing. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably where we're headed. Um, it'd be interesting. Yeah, moving, yeah. It, moving it forward. Uh, you have a very kind of unique personal style in terms of just like your fashion, how you dress and stuff. And... Um, yeah, to, to talk to us a little bit about this, like what, what inspires that, where it comes from? Like I know for, for many people, it can be, you know, just, yeah, just what you like. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's fair. Um, but like yours is like really out there. It, it varies very greatly. And I just wonder like, is there any one or anything that inspires that? Or, or is it just kind of like, I see it, I buy it, I like it. Like what's, what's the deal with that? So most of my outfits costed probably like five dollars mm-hmm. um i'm really big into thrifting cool yeah, yeah yeah i don't know like a lot of the times i get lucky and i'll find some dope ass shirt or something or maybe like you know like my girl let me like borrow a shirt or something and it, you know, and it looks dope on me. I don't know. Like, uh, I'm also like a uh, a model for like a lot of thrift stores and stuff. Oh, cool. Okay. So, like, well, they're more like resale stores. Their stores are a lot cheaper. But uh, yeah, these places are like they buy and trade clothes and stuff, and uh, it's like really big here in uh, or I guess in general. It's just mm-hmm. to have a vintage clothing trading thing and uh yeah sometimes they'll let me wear their clothes and uh they'll i'll just use their photos that they take of me Fair play. and do, yeah. do you do do you what do you get like paid for that or do they give you like free clothes or something what's the what's the deal there yeah i've gotten i've gotten free clothes i've gotten um like nice. i've gotten tons of shows out of it honestly oh really yeah, like people have seen me and look me up and be like, yo, saw you on this. You know, and then they hit me up. Interesting. If, if if they use me, they're trying to go for like a certain aesthetic that day. Right, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Then, you know, since it's such a weird out of... I mean, like, honestly, like, I don't, I don't ever really think of myself as that out of 
like I just have like dyed hair. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to kind of like make you feel uncomfortable. That's not no, what no, I meant. No, no, no. Like, a lot of a lot of people. Um, I just think it's unique. Like being I think reminded of like how they look at me. Okay. You know, I'm just like, yeah. They they look at me as like uh, some like edgy dude. <laughs> well, I think it, it's interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like me personally, I'm for instance like my taste in women. I'm I'm interested in women that look different. Do you know what I mean? Like if I just see some woman, woman walking down the street and she's just wearing like, I don't know, the latest fashion, tra- like I'm not interested in that. But if she's wearing, like, maybe she's got some piercings, some dyed hair, or like maybe she's like, she likes uh, thrift store stuff, or maybe she's, you know, into like more classic clothing, like something different, something you don't see every day. It's like, it draws you in. It's like, oh, that's interesting. I want to know more. And that's kind of like what I mean with that. I think that's, probably as well why, why um, people are drawn, drawn, so drawn to you is because it's like you, you're presenting something that is different from what they see every day. Therefore, it's more interesting. And then it kind of expands with like the music that you're doing. Because again, it's not the music that everyone hears all the time. Mm-hmm. You know? and that's maybe... I can definitely see that for sure. What does music mean to you? This music, music is music. Music. <laughs> Whoa, I wasn't ready. <laughs> we asked the deep questions on the Christian yeah. Wave podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Well, music is a way for myself and others to express themselves either verbally or you know through their instruments but uh, also music can be uh, widely defined as like pretty much any noise so it's hard for me to say what music is see i i, I that's where i, I disagree do. right because you're that you're a deep guy you know you have like hashtag existentialism on your instagram page no, that's why it's so hard to put a, <laughs> a, a definite on music <laughs> so um essentially i try to appreciate every noise like every single day i'm listening for new samples i'm listening for you know things that just sound good like I've I've freestyled to like car alarms going off and like really? wow like cool. at the end of at the end of that untitled August twenty fifth I have the freestyle and like that was me just like singing off the dome and like just like terrain like yeah I heard that I remember that I thought that was really cool yeah, yeah so I dug like, that I dug that yeah so like basically I was high as fuck on shroom. And I was, like, sad as hell about, like, a recent breakup. And um, Sloan had just gotten arrested. And, yeah, I just wanted to take the day off that day. And, uh, yeah, it was raining heavy as fuck. And I was out in that van that was um, we renovated. So, you know, I was just shrooming out out there. And, I don't know, I was just feeling it. And... I 
thought I could come up with a song and that's what ended up coming out. When you did shrooms, did you smoke as well? Yeah, I always do. I always have to have a bunch of weed. The one and only time I ever did shrooms, I, because we always would smoke weed anyway. And I remember the day very clearly, um, it was a school friend of mine and him and his brother would regularly go shroom picking like every, I don't know, autumn, some, some shit when it was in season. Uh, and they would get a lot. Like I remember we were at his house just regularly, like we'd always go there on weekends and get high and play music and just have fun. And he, <laughs> he had a fucking, a baking tray full with mushrooms. I'd never seen so many mushrooms in my life and they were all dried, ready and everything. And I'm just looking at this and I know nothing about shrooms at this point. I'm like uh, just clueless 13 year old, like just fucking idiot. And uh, you know, so we're, we've already, no, I don't think we'd, we'd smoken just yet. So we're, we're sober at this point, if you want to call it that. Um, And I, he's like, Oh, go on, try one. So I just tried a couple and he's like, fucking take more than that mate so i take a big handful like maybe 20 and yeah <laughs> and i'm like they were fresh picked right uh, no so they they were like dried out like um okay, cool. yeah cool. yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so cool. i ate them all and i was just like nothing like what was this you know like not knowing like my impending doom uh and then we go downstairs and we smoke this variety of weed um, called pollen, which is pretty potent stuff. I don't know if they still do it, but um, yeah, it's pretty, it pretty intense stuff. And I remember, because I don't do drugs anymore, but when I did, um, there were like, you know, you always have like that, 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 your top five, like most high of all time. And this yeah, was of one of those. It was like, I remember it was like mid 2000s. So like YouTube had just become a thing. Um, and back then it was all just fucking weird. It was like top trumps in terms of like, what's the weirdest video that you can find kind of thing. And we're all just sitting there unbelievably high out of our minds, staring at this screen. And I shit you not, it was like some sort of dance techno music with people like marching on the screen, like, and we're all just like, and I just, I kind of blacked out. I don't really remember much. I just yeah. remember just intense staring and being out there and very, very high. Oh my God. Yeah, that's a lot, <laughs> That's a lot. That, that sounds like a awful... I've never overdosed on shrooms. No, like, I died. Again, that, like it's not a sensible thing to do. Um, yeah, no, that, that, would, that would be hilarious. <laughs> The, the, the times that I've often the times that I've got the most highest have been purely by accident. Like there was one time where the guy sold us like three um, bouts of weed and uh, he'd laced them with different things. And one of them was laced with ketamine, which I found out afterwards. Yeah. And I was fine, but it was the most probably. Yeah, the most high I've ever been in my entire life. I remember it was a really hot day, uh, like 30 degrees. It's a really hot summer. And we were all sitting in a group. And um, I remember just being freezing cold, like really cold, shivering. And I turned to this girl next to me and I'm just like, oh, it's freezing, isn't it? And she's like, just looks at me like I'm mental. And it's just like, what are you talking about? It's, it's 
boiling. And I'm like, that's my first, like, uh oh. <laughs> and then the second thing that happened, it's really weird to explain this. I, I mean, it felt like a dream. It was like, imagine that you're watching your life, like you're sitting in a theater and you're watching your life on the screen. And then every one or two minutes, you kind of jump back into yourself and you are you again. And then you jump back and forth and back and forth. And it was basically like that for like a good hour. And then eventually I... That was smoking the ketamine weed? Yeah. I, Jesus. It was crazy. That's, that's um, awful. It was kind of scary. Yeah. I mean, I, I joke about it now, but like at the time I was kind of... I remember my heartbeat going... And, I, and it was like, I need to calm down. Like, I need to just chill. And every, I remember every time I would kind of come back into myself uh, and feel cold, I was like, right, okay, we're back for like a minute. Let's just relax, drink some water, just calm down. It'll, it'll go away. <laughs> it's okay. And I was like, because I, you know, I, I, who could I call? I, I couldn't be like, hey, mom, guess what? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I can't. <laughs> And she, she would have lost her mind if I don't think she knows this as well. So if you're watching, sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of crazy. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's, no, that's that's fucking funny. What's the what's the <laughs> highest you've ever been? Like, what what was your experience? Um, like a fun one or a sad one? Oh shit! Okay. Uh, <laughs> Maybe let's start with the sad one and end on the good one. Then that's kind of a nice balance. Okay, okay, let's do it. All right. I don't know who's watching, but uh, I hope you're ready. When I was uh, 16, uh, I was riding around with my friends, and um, like we ended up going to one of my friends' house, and it was like, Pretty much, he had like freedom. Like his mom didn't give a fuck what he did, and like, oh wow, but, like, house, she, she was like really successful. So like, none of the other parents questioned her, or like they questioned us, or like our antics while we were over there. Oh cool. We would always get really fucking high over there, and uh, basically, one of my friends, he um, he had a bunch of pills. Like, oh wow, okay, yeah, like. Uppers, downers, everything. Just kidding. Um, but, uh, no, what he had was, uh, what was it? I took uh, two muscle relaxers, three antidepressants, and two Vicodins. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, wow. I took them all. I took them all. And then You're I smoked, a crazy man. And then I smoked a uh, hell of weed. And uh, yeah, it uh, my impending doom <laughs> was soon to come. Um, I toughed it out, and I never had to go get my stomach pumped or anything. I didn't die, but I was. Thank fuck. I mean, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus. I didn't die, but uh, I definitely uh, lost control of uh, my body and was blacking out. And uh, okay, yeah, it was a. Uh, yeah, because there was, like, I remember levels to it. Because I was, somehow I was conscious the whole time. Like, the entire time I was very conscious. But, like, I couldn't, like, I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything. 
but and then like I'd recognize when I was blacking out and then I'd come back and realize that I'm back you know like I was completely conscious somehow Hmm. um luckily I'm able to be like that most of the time when I'm high even when I'm on streams or tripping LSD like I'm still like me at the center so like I'm able to like talk my myself down a little bit um but anyways so yeah we're I take the pills and they're all like, do you take all of them? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, damn, you fucking crazy. <laughs> like, that was nuts. Shouldn't have done that. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that thing in Harry Potter. I shouldn't have and, done that. I should have yeah. done that. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so basically, uh, we're riding around and we're like, all right, let's go get some more weed go pick up from my other friend who's like a little bit like down the road in the suburb and um like at this point i'm like geeking i'm like just try- i'm just like kind of like acting like a fool okay like, loopy a little bit and uh like it's really funny and uh eventually like i realize that i'm i'm like being annoying like i would consider myself annoying even though they're laughing and shit like and then i like calm down and then um we parked somewhere and at that point like it it kicked in like completely and like i was just like passed out and then like i'd come back and realize we're still where we were parked and then um like a bong got handed to me and i tried to hit it and it was my first time to ever hit a bong and I oh, wow. okay. hit it and I blew the water all the way through the spout <laughs> back into the bong. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was the bell of the ball that night. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like, when, I had when good I was... friends, I had good friends who got me home and like, thank God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They washed, they washed my pants and like, I didn't throw up at all. Like I didn't like, you know, need to, you know, get, I didn't feel the need to get my stomach pumped. Like I was just like gone. Yeah. I think if, if you ever are going to do drugs, like you got to be with people and in a safe place as well, like totally. somewhere secure, yeah. just safe place. <laughs> yeah. Most deaf, most deaf. Um, but the most fun high I've ever been. <laughs> um, in college, we took shrooms as my, uh, we used to sell pretty big back then. And, uh, we just decided to try to get into the shroom game, but we ended up buying an ounce and taking all of it. Uh, but the first in one sitting. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I was gonna say we eventually started microdosing, and it was really chill. But yeah, the first time we dosed, we uh, we took like four each, four grams each, and like it was like we got this shit like off the dark web, and like it was like supposed to be like hella potent and it legitimately was like like i've never been so fucking high <laughs> i've never had such a great time in my life doing nothing like like the adventure that we went on like so like back back in the you know my old college days like i would free run uh my like this block like me and parkour my, yeah yeah we would do like a bunch of stuff 
I can't believe you parkour high, man. You're crazy. <laughs> no, 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 no. We we did not do. We didn't parkour on shrooms. Let's just say that's the no-no. It, right in now. fact, in fact, we tried and realized it was a terrible idea. <laughs> Quickly. Um, yeah, I so, tried skateboarding drunk one time, and that was a big mistake. Yeah, that sounds hard. So we take the shrooms and we're waiting for him to kick in. And this is the first dose I've had in probably like a year and a half, like since I've been in high school. Like, so I'm like, like, all right, this is going to be a big one. So like we're playing basketball down at the apartment courts and um, like, I don't know, I just feel weird. And I just like look up at the clouds like I lay down and all of a sudden the clouds are like rotating inside themselves and I'm like oh my gosh it's happening and uh Uh, uh oh Uh oh I'm like all right (laughs) like I'm like guys is it happening for you and they're like what and I'm like look at the clouds (laughs) and they're always like that there's always like when you're at your highest everyone else is just like what do you mean man chill stop ruining the vibe and you're like no 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 no, you don't understand like guys (laughs) guys Uh, luckily we were all on the same level and like okay cool cool. experimental level like yo everybody let like we need to know whenever it kicks you know like yeah 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 it's like so i was like the first one to get hit seeing this like are y'all hitting it yet and um they eventually like they were they started tripping pretty good and uh yeah we just walked around our our free running route and uh like, we tried to climb trees and stuff, but it was fucking hard. Like, one of my buddies fell out of the tree and, like, landed on his ass. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, if, if a cop or, like, somebody would have talked to us, like, they would have definitely known that we were on the ground. I remember yeah. the one and only time that a, a police officer caught me high it was so bad like we were lucky but it was like we were in this local park he was patrolling he was a tall guy we were like again must have been 14 ish give or take and uh i we quickly tried to hide our weed but he's like just quit it like he's really he's like the chillest police officer you've ever met in your life he was just like i know what you're doing and we're like oh fuck (laughs) <laughs> like what are we gonna do and i'm just sitting there thinking like damn man my mom's gonna kill me and like this is the end of me and fuck 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 and like and like i might get arrested and like oh shit and then he just walks over and he's just like i know what you're doing like, how much have you had and we're like i'm tempted to lie but i'm like he's be leveling with me i'm just gonna level with him and i'm like not a lot like you know we're high but it's fine and he's like okay you guys live nearby and we're like yeah and he's like okay well look i don't want you doing this anymore so mm-hmm. just relax take care of yourselves but maybe let's let's keep this to a <laughs> low <laughs> and we're like okay okay and we're like looking at each other like is this really happening is he is he really like letting letting us go <laughs> and he's just like see you later and we're like holy fuck this isn't a joke he's mm-hmm. he's actually letting us do this oh yeah. my god 
And then we decided to get even more high after that. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, shit, dude. I have tons of getting away with weed and like lying to the cops stories, man. It's What's your best one? What's your best fib or best getting away story? So we were on tour. I was on tour with Ugly Boy Click and I was driving. And Willis is in my passenger seat and then Cody's behind Willis. And then we have our friend, um, Richard. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Richard's in the back and uh, we brought like a couple Zams and we brought a couple ounces. <laughs> and um, basically I told them not to bring any federal offenses. Okay. So, like, don't bring any prescription pills. Don't bring more than two ounces. Like, don't don't oh. bring federal like rules since we're traveling because my sticker is out, my registration sticker is out, and we are inevitably going to get pulled over. And like, they're like, all right, whatever. Like, but Willis is dumb, and he brought you know, you know prescriptions, and um, then Richard, you know. He brought a bunch of weed himself anyway. And because uh, we like to like kind of like sell weed whenever we get to show. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to do. <laughs> and, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> I've got mixed feelings about it. Part of me is like, huh, this is a good marketing technique. This is clever. And part of me is like, no, you shouldn't be selling drugs to your fans. Smoking <laughs> weed with them. <laughs> get high with us why not yeah get high with us yeah it's okay <laughs> um but um no weed's great um <laughs> but yeah no we got pulled over in a small town and i didn't know willis had i didn't know how much anybody had like i just assumed that they had listened to me because most of the time they do and um yeah so the dude pulls me out and he's like, uh, I can smell pot in the vehicle. You know, I have, to, I'm going to search it. Like, is there anything that you want to tell me? I'm like, yeah, there's a, uh, lit bowl, like in the passenger seat and what? a lit bowl. Like we were, uh, smoke, we were smoking a bowl, like while we were getting pulled over coincidentally, uh -huh. but he just, he happened to see my registration. So that's uh, all. Didn't even see the smoking. Um, but anyways, so he goes and he checks the uh, passenger, and Willis is there. And he should have just eaten the the script, the Xanax. Like he should just, you know, done them, and then just had to deal with it. <laughs> but because it was only like two, but even if you have one, it's a felony. And um, yeah, so. He is definitely going to jail. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, immediately. As soon as he finds those, like, we're like, yeah, Willis is going to jail like, right now. But the thing is, it's like the officer. Oh, and the entire time while Willis has the officer distracted, Richard is stuffing a bunch of weed into my panel. <laughs> into, like, my uh, door panels and shit. And um, the cops pull Richard out, 
And Richard ends up at the moment only having like an eighth on him. So the guy's like, I'm going to take this and, you know, okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you a warning or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm going to take this. And then he takes the pipe and then he takes my grinder. And then he, um, oh, and then he takes Willis to jail. But, um, <laughs> and then, um, so we're on, we're about to go to Houston. Yeah, we're on our way to Houston. And we're halfway there. And this is really annoying. And I told Willis not to do, bring any, you know, felonies. And uh, he did. But, I mean, the cop said that he would have let Willis go and crush Suzanne on the ground if his supervisor didn't pull up immediately. Like, that sucks, man. Like, we almost could have got away with it. Yeah. And, but, but, all right. So then, like, I had to get an Airbnb in this podunk town. And, like, it was just like a lot, like a plot of land that you could camp on for like 35 bucks a night. Hmm. Uh, we pulled up and, like, set up a fire and, like, we were eating all the tour food that we brought. And, like, we just camped that night and waited for Willis to get, you know, bailed out or, like, on bond. And, um, yeah, then we took my panel, like, my door panels apart and, uh, got, like, 18 grams out of it. And then after that, Richard was like, let's just fucking smoke it. Fuck this. Like, <laughs> like, so then we got really fucking stoned and really fucking full off of uh, sandwiches and salads. That's that's an important point as well. You need you need to if you're gonna smoke weed, you need to be prepared food wise. Nothing yeah. worse than trying to shop when you're high. It's just the worst. Dude, just being on tour, like you have to think like smart. Of course. Just like being efficient with your money in general. Like you have to right. have a lot of food. So like how are you gonna do that? Small, you know, sandwiches. so how do you work out the budget like who does that or like how does that work um we just kind of know what we can afford and then um and everyone kind of chips in like equally or something everyone kind of provides for themselves on tour like pays for themselves okay but like um you know if if we're you know normally i'm the one driving so like everyone has to chip in for that yeah, they'll pay for my gas or yeah, like yeah, yeah. that we have to get or like something like that. Like, and then um, like in terms of like, mm-hmm, like paying for the tours, like to get on the tours, like we chip in. We all kind of go, you know, thirds on that one. Because we do admit that you know sometimes paying to play is a good move yeah and like we you get it's like you could spend a hundred and twenty dollars on four backstage tickets to your favorite rapper or musician or you can spend a hundred and twenty dollars to be on stage with them yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it depends on, on what you're going to get. Like, if, if I was in the same situation, I'd look oh, at, yeah, you have to, you know, you have what to are we paying for here? Like, yeah. yeah, you have to pick the people specifically. You know, I'm not going to just get on any tour. 
like the only reason I'm going on this Juggalo tour is because they're inviting me and they've had a lot of successful shows and like I trust this Juggalo label so uh yeah there I didn't have to pay for that one and like a lot of the tours we really didn't have to pay for honestly like the one where me and Willis went to California like all I had to do was sell like 30 tickets here in Austin and then he took me all around Texas, Colorado, and then I took a break and went to Minnesota and went and hung out with my uncle in like the Minneapolis metal scene. And then I met back up with the tour in California. I mean, that was just because I sold 30 tickets. I made the dude $600 and he just was like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> you can come with me to stuff. Do you never think about just getting like a manager that can sort all this shit out for you? You know, just get your gigs, get, get, talk to the people so you don't have to, you know, obviously, yeah, it sucks because you'd have to like pay them and shit, but like it would kind of save you guys time and hassle, you know? Well, the thing is, is if we were, if, if we could find a manager to work pro bono until we were profitable, that'd be amazing. But like, you know, until then, like, yeah, we don't have the funds to just pay somebody to just look for the same shit that we could already do ourselves, you know, like. Fair enough. Yeah, I get that. Um, what have been the biggest challenges in your music career so far? Making money. <laughs> it's always difficult in the beginning. I know. I think I made my first band. We, we only ever got paid like once <laughs> and like all the shows I've ever played. Yeah, one time. Like, that one time. I've gotten I've gotten paid off shows and I've collected my streaming revenue like once, but it really wasn't that impressive. Mm. Then, like, because I do have like DMT songs on Spotify. Yeah. So, like, I was able to get some sort of you know money off out of that, and. Uh, yeah, but mostly I've, <coughs> I've pretty much only been paid for shows, but or selling tickets and then making profit off tickets. That certainly does seem like the the main way to make money at the moment in terms of the music industry. You know, like um, I often hear like major musicians talk about the fact that they own like next to peanuts on on spotify even though you know they might have like millions of, of uh, listens and stuff it really doesn't equate to much money so the money is more in like as you say playing shows merchandise uh yeah, like, deals, that kind of shit yeah i've def i've paid rent with my you know show money before like that felt really good cool yeah. nice one so it was like that was a goal that I had reached and I was like, okay, if I can do this once, I can do it eventually again, you know? Uh, but I mean, like, because of COVID, we want to focus on, you know, how to, how to get us on Spotify and get streaming revenue and, you know, how to get us on YouTube and you know, we got to figure that shit out ASAP. Fair play, man. Um, what would you say are your biggest kind of achievements in music so far? Biggest achievements in music? Um, for one, learning how to freestyle is something that 
I wasn't, it's something I wasn't born with. Like there's, okay. you can naturally come up with things. Um, but I was always like a creative writer, like in general, like I always appreciated lyrics. Like whenever I was like a little kid, like I would just like read through like lyric books and okay. covers and stuff. Like I would just like study that stuff. And then, um, like, just having my appreciation for music, I guess. Because, like, I love most genres and I can listen to most things and mm. only understand they're doing it. You know, if it's genuine, what it means, who's, who it's for, maybe. You know, I try to look at stuff like that. Um, and then I'd say just... Yeah, so that's my appreciation for it. And like, just having my appreciation, that's one of my greatest things. Um, but, cause it's hard to like create an open mind, you know? So I, I'd say that that was a big accomplishment for me to overlook a lot of things. <clears throat> but in terms of like, like physical things, um, do you, have you ever heard of like Xavier Wolf or I'm trying to think of some big rappers? Have you ever heard of Riff Raff? Fortunately not, no. Okay, so some, some major rappers have... I've, I've opened for a lot of really famous rappers okay, that cool. are like, like pretty big. And I've gotten to meet a lot of people who I used to look up to as a little kid, just mm. like who I used to listen to just to get pumped for baseball or something like that. Like now I'm over here rapping on stage, like in front of them and it's really weird. And uh, yeah, I would just say that also kind of bringing the punk rap, emo rap vibe to Austin. Like we're kind of like the original ones to bring it out. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely a, uh, a few accomplishments in mine, in music at least. Oh, congrats. That's, that sounds awesome, man. Um, actually, that kind of fits in well with my next question. Um, what are your best and worst experiences playing live shows? <laughs> best experiences well let's start let's do it again the negative positive thing let's start with the worst one and then you know okay. when you're feeling low we'll bring it back up to the positive again <laughs> the worst experiences um i'll be general and then i'll okay. get to the specific point um so it does suck whenever you're playing for nobody. Like we've had <laughs> shows where like the crowd was really big and then all of a sudden everybody shuffles out and there's nobody. And then it's you and a few I've other I've had people. this as well, yeah, where you're headlining and it's like, it's inevitable when you're playing quite late and maybe it's like a weekday or some shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like whenever you perform so often, cause like there was a, point in time where we were performing twice a week and like we were busy as fuck and um you know and on top of being you know on 
tours and stuff, sometimes the tour shows are really lame. And like, it's like, okay, this night wasn't what we expected. So that sucks. And um, then you have to just kind of go to the next city and hope mm. it better than what that night was. But um, I would say the most aggravating time I've ever been on stage was whenever we were opening up for, I don't know, Jeffrey and Xavier Wolf in Austin. And we were the people before um, them to come on. And people wanted to see Xavier Wolf so bad that they were like telling us to stage and like like of course like they were they enjoyed my set but then willis's set went on and then willis's set kind of on longer than because like we were just kind of being jackasses at that point <laughs> and um we we're just seeing how far we could get with this shit and then eventually um Oh, because Xavier Wolf wasn't even there yet, and he was just outside smoking. So we were just trying to fill time. That's right. Uh, did anyone did anyone say like, hey, you know, just just keep going, or was yeah, it like, yeah, well, no, well, honestly, me and Wills are so good at improv. Like, it only took like one signal from like, oh, he's here. Okay, he's outside. Oh, he's taking his time. You know, like it was pretty easy to judge whenever he was ready to go on, you know? Fair enough. So we just kept going and everybody was just like, nobody even realized like, like we were going so hard and like trying to convince people to watch it so much that like people weren't even like turning around to see that Xavier will outside and like, it was really funny. Um, so yeah, they were, they were like, they enjoyed my set, like I said, and on. Like it was, they were getting more and more, um, I guess, un unruly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was a pretty that was a pretty interesting night, I would say. Hey, and let's uh, switch it up and go to your best experience or experiences playing live. Oh my, best experiences. Uh, Tulsa, I mean, like all all of the, every single flow down that I've ever done, whether it be just a regular flow down or a a protest, like it's the most fun live experience I've ever given, like for myself and personally, I think for others, like. Of course, seeing Obi Wood click on stage is fun, and you get to mosh pit and you know chant fun things. But like, whenever like you're freestyling and like you're impressing people and like you're having a fun time just jamming out, and everybody's just like brains are just meshing together, like just immediately too. Like you know, it's like some split second thinking. So. It's just really that's really cool to like experience. So I love I love playing with the ATX Floatdown Band. And but the best show I ever had was the best memory from a rap show I ever had was my very last official show, which was the one where I was on tour with Willis 
and we went to California and we met Xavier Wolf, Jeffrey, Chris Travis, Eddie Baker, and maybe some people will know who I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, they're pretty big in uh, the rap scene. And you know, we were in downtown LA at this place called Rare House. And it was me, my girlfriend, and Willis. And basically, we got to, luckily, we got to be in, like, the artist cage and, like, be separated from the crowd because the crowd was so thick. Like, it was, it was very packed in there. Like, it was bad. And then, um, like, the floor was warping. It was, like, it was, wow. yeah, it could have collapsed easily. And um, it was like 120 degrees in that. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was so hot. And, like, we were so fucking high. Like, because I had taken, like, a quarter of a Zan. And then, like, just to, like, take my anxiety away. I cannot imagine performing i mean I, tr I tried it drunk and that was one thing but doing it high i, I don't know how you oh, pull that off i mean dude fair play <laughs> every time every i mean we're for the most part i'm sober every single time that i perform because all right so whenever i said i took a quarter zan like i didn't get high off of that no i i, I got what you meant you know? just yeah and then like so like i took my anxiety away mixed with the heat and like the heat putting me in like this weird dream state and then like eventually smoking like i was fucked up like i was i it, it the whole night was so surreal and trippy and like performing like willis threw up on the stage like it was hilarious <laughs> how did the like, crowd react to that were they just like hey or just like oh funny because he ran to the back and threw up behind the stage and okay. then and then he ran back and was like i just fucking puked and everybody was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. and then like whenever i was trying to get him to mosh like they moshed pretty well like everybody was you know received it pretty well and then like i think it was mostly just the fact that we made it to california was oh. the coolest thing about that night. You know, like we had a show in California opening up for some, you know, legends, you know, in, in the rap game. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. Um, kind of, okay, this, this, I think this is always a cool question. I always ask this to musicians that I have on the show. What advice would you give to aspiring musicians who are just starting out right now? into as much music as possible and learn why music the music you're listening to was created and who made it and what they're about hmm. yeah that's yeah that's really good advice man i think about that yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's interesting you say that as well because a lot of the time when i look at my favorite musicians particularly when I look at their influences mm -hmm. and it like, it makes sense in terms of what they play. 
Like mm. I had I had a musician on recently from um, from Estonia. So he's quite a popular musician over there. And uh, he was just telling me some of his influences. And I was like, yeah, no, I hear that in, in what you play, actually. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Just all the pieces connect, <laughs> yeah. basically. Yeah, my, my influences definitely stand out in my music. Like, in terms of, like, the lyricism, like, the, the context would, you know, it could come from country music to metal to to like old 2005 emo punk rap or rock stuff you know like like it definitely surfaces and then like the sound is just like is there any like particular artists that like inspire you or that you kind of mostly like yeah, but it's mostly like for their talents and not their sound, like mm. what they're able to do. Um, We're talking like technical ability, then. Yeah. Uh, so like, like Freddie Mercury is one of my biggest influences. Um, Steven Tyler, um, Billy Joe Armstrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, let's see, and then like you could look at influences and a lot of them like old school like bone thugs and harmony like three six mafia um i listened to a lot of like death row like from the 90s and stuff mm. and um but i also you know I'll, i've listened to grime i've listened i like i used to watch a uh, black pool rap you know those are yeah yeah that's awesome it's and, very uh, different i must say like because obviously i grew up with uk grime and stuff and yeah when i would compare it to what was going on in the states it was it was like obviously uk rap and uk grime is heavily inspired by american rap but it's 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 its own entity like yeah it's yeah, very, totally. like a, i don't know grime when i listen to grime it's like it's very british for me it's it's like something I think that we're all pretty proud of because it's just it's so like sometimes you just get those things that are just so quintessentially like from a particular place like you know gangster rap is is very like that's an american thing you know and then mm. like yeah it's just how it is but yeah i get what you mean it's cool it's cool to check out different scenes different countries see what they're doing like mm. i've seen some really interesting rappers from from europe like countries like um yeah like russia for example just really out there different different styles you know different so flows an influence for um a big influence for the uh most recent project was uh bts oh interesting yeah. okay yeah so like with the singing and the fast rapping and then like yeah fair enough fair i was enough. trying to i was trying to be poppy k-poppy hey i mean if there was ever a time to do it it's now because it seems to be like really peaking in terms of popularity right now it's like the thing isn't it like i you know like even i like i i was never i always thought that korean pop was kind of an interesting thing but i didn't really know anything about it and then i listened to this bts act and i was like god damn this was not what i was expecting at all like i thought it was just some boy band and then i listened and i was like damn <laughs> Yeah. And then you hear like the solo 
uh, acts within that group as well. And it's, it's some good shit. Go check that out if, if, if yeah. anyone is listening. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. Shout out BTS. Like, they need yes. I think they actually broke a YouTube record, apparently, uh, with their latest I single. Doubt it. I would not doubt it. Yeah, it was something like the most viewed in a um, the shortest amount of time or, or something like that for a YouTube. So apparently, I don't know. This is what I heard. Well, I yeah. definitely contributed to that because <laughs> I, I watched it within like three hours that they dropped it because I was just on YouTube and I, I just looked at my subscriptions and I was like, oh, shit. That one I just dropped. Yeah, like I'm not even subscribed to them, but it got recommended um, yeah. to the algorithm. It's like, it, check it yeah. out, check it out, check it out. Listen to yeah, this. <laughs> okay, man. Um, sort of drawing everything to a close. Do you have any upcoming projects or maybe some final thoughts that you'd like to share with us? Upcoming projects, yes. Um, I have two. So... The main one that I want everyone to know about is the Ugly Boy Click project that we're working on. We'll be dropping a single pretty soon. We're uh, we're all dropping solo stuff right now, just mm-hmm. to get people, because like we haven't really been dropping that much music. So uh, the guys and I are gonna be, you know, I just dropped my album, and then so Cody and Willis are gonna drop some stuff, and then uh, once people kind of get tired of that and kind build hype for like the you know the three the dynamic song um you know people are gonna hopefully be really blown away by that one because uh it's legitimately a really good song like it's actually two in one so you're like the people are gonna get two different sounding songs on one on one track do you have a particular date penciled in for this no not yet just like it's just like as of now, it's still like a month and a half away at least because I want to get my album up to a few hundred views. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Willis and Cody are going to drop theirs and do the same. And then eventually those numbers are going to plateau. And then, um, yeah, then we'll drop the... Uh, because we're saying that like we're just trying to get drop these solo songs because we want to solidify this the fan base that we have now but whenever we drop this single we're going to actually put some marketing into it and like, right actually, yeah because that's going to be the actual the real re-debut of ugly boy click and you know like not to say that like we don't have money to spend on marketing we just never really found the a, an efficient way to do it that made us feel comfortable and um basically i think we have a good plan now you know so and willis is going to take care of a lot of that and uh i trust him on that so hopefully it works and uh yeah i think the but i really think the new single is going to capture people's attention pretty hard because this you might consider this other stuff mediocre, like our solo stuff, like that we dropped right before. But like I said, that's kind of just for our personal fan base. But uh, I think the the new songs and then all of the tracks that we already have preceding it, um, I think they're really gonna go pretty far if we put some real marketing behind it. 
Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. I definitely look forward to hearing that because um, particularly because of what we discussed earlier about it being drastically different in terms of sound and stuff. It'll be interesting to see what you guys come up with. So, yeah. Um, and my, uh, my other project that I have, so it's already recorded. I'm just waiting on it. And uh, this will probably be released after like this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you know who Little Peep is? Actually, no, no. That's <laughs> okay, fine. It's fine. Um, so I'm sure people you, listening do, though. So, yeah. yeah. Most, <laughs> most definitely. Um, so, basically, he's a um, SoundCloud rapper, emo rapper. Okay, yeah. And um, he was highly influential to a lot of people. And... Um, he was like a really big deal over here and over in Europe for the most part. And um, he OD'd and uh, huh. he was like a, he was like a legend in the making essentially. And um, whenever he died, a lot of his, you know, people who were living at his house, like they obviously had to move out. So, um, I kind of took the opportunity to hit some of them up and uh, like not listen to their music individually and like I hit some of them up and uh, this one guy responded in a little kawaii and uh, like he has a pretty nice following and I like his aesthetic a lot anyways. Um, He's a really cool guy and um, we ended up just like talking a little bit and then one night he like hits me up and he's like yo can you buy me a pizza? (laughs) Like, I know that, like, everything's going on over there, you know? Like, I understand what's going on over there. So, I'm like, yeah. And then, um, so, like, you know, I, I sympathize for him. Buying the pizza, and it's, like, nothing. It's, like, 12 bucks or whatever. Who cares? And then, um, then like, I hit him up. And I'm like, yo, do you want to like, do a collab? And he was like, yeah, for sure. And then, like, he sends me a beat, and then... Like, eventually, he's, like, listening to my old music. And he's, like, do you want to do, like, a five-song collab for, like, $120? And I was, like, uh, sure. And he was, like, yeah, here's a beat folder. Just pick five beats from this. And, like, I look at it, and it's, like, really big-name producers. Like, really big-name. Charlie Shuffler, Captain Crunch, um biscuit beats like there was there was these guys are like really like renowned here in america and i'm like getting all of it for a hundred i'm getting five of these things for dollars. like it's that's an insane price and he's gonna collab with me as well like so not only that i get his following and uh so basically yeah I'm working on a five-song project with him, and I already have my parts recorded and um, yeah, sent to him, and he's just working on them right now. So, but I'll probably drop them after all the uh, so I can kind of meet his fan base in the middle, you know. Excellent. So that's so one-sided. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's good. I mean, it means you're sort of releasing a lot of music there's a lot of stuff for your fan base to look forward to and uh, yeah probably to... like probably like 20 songs coming out from me pretty soon 
There you go. Efficiency. Work, working hard in this, uh, these crazy times. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's all I got to do. Awesome. Then, I guess that would be my closing statement. Keep working hard in these crazy times. Listen, thank you very much for, um, for agreeing to appear on, on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, yeah, um, to everyone that's been listening to the Christian Reef podcast, like go check out DMT, go subscribe to him, you know, go and listen to his music. It's excellent. It's very, I don't know how to put it. It's different. It's out there. It's, it's good music, you know, first and foremost. And I think a lot of people would dig it and, and find something that they enjoy in it. I, I really like, enjoyed listening, particularly your, your latest album. I'm a big fan of that. So, uh, yeah, th- a big thank you. And to everyone listening on the Christian Reef podcast, I hope you're enjoying these video podcasts on YouTube and um, all the clips that we're doing. I haven't really spoken about the clips just yet, but we've been releasing clips very slowly. Uh, I'm trying to work through the backlog of all the podcasts right now. Um, Always fixating uh, or focusing, I should say, on the newest podcasts. So you will always get the clips as soon as the episode is released. You'll get the immediate clips afterwards for the most recent one. But I'm working on the other ones. I'm doing this all myself. It takes time. So bear with me. (laughs) But yeah. to everyone listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening or streaming the podcast, thank you so much. I appreciate the support. Um, I'm really enjoying doing this. And uh, yeah, just um, if, if you know anyone that would like to appear on the podcast or there's a particular topic you would like to hear, hit me up, find me on social media. I would love to cover the topic or interview the guest. You know, it's an absolute pleasure for me and uh, it helps me to keep growing and keep doing this. So yeah, really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you very much. And until next time, peace out. One love. See you in the next one.